Hey everyone, how are you all doing? Welcome back to another video. Today we have an extremely long video. This is going to be everything in Black Chrysanthemum's Origins Explained. Before we get started, hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks so much for watching the videos and let's get started. A mighty Wookiee warrior, Black Chrysanthemum is one of the few bounty hunters that Jabba the Hutt relied on time and time again and one of the fewer still who ended up in the service of the Sith Lord, Darth Vader. But when we look at the life of Black Chrysanthemum, you might be surprised to find that there's more in his history than the names and dates of those he killed in combat. In fact, you might be tempted to sympathize with the bounty hunter, who was all at once exiled from his home on Kashyyyk, enslaved in the gladiatorial training grounds of the Zonti brothers, and forced to work his way across the galaxy as a hired gun. Even though he obviously enjoyed the violence of matching his brawn against others, you have to wonder, how much did the horrors and tragedies of his own life influence his choice to kill? Black Chrysanthemum was born some time before the fall of the Republic, and his life began as most Wookiees do, on the lush world of Kashyyyk. Covered in miles and miles of dense, green forests, Black Chrysanthemum grew up entrenched in Wookiee culture. That culture, which was governed by complex social rules and etiquette, likely was the cause of Black Chrysanthemum's eventual exile. If any Wookiee were to go against these conventions or break a simple rule like properly acknowledge an elder, they would bring shame on themselves and their families. Each social mistake required an appropriate amount of repentance, and it's easy to see how a system built on honor and shame would turn someone like Black Chrysanthemum into an outcast. Already a loner by the time he matured into an adult, Black Chrysanthemum was said to have committed a horrible act at around that time, and was forced to leave Kashyyyk. Try as we might, it seemed that we may never know what the Wookiee actually did. Maybe we'll find out in Book of Boba or Kenobi or something. But as for now, we don't actually know what he did specifically. Now, knowing of Black Chrysanthemum's later deeds, like beating up on poor Uncle Owen on the rocky bluffs of Tatooine, or strangling a gladiator so that he could take his place in the next match, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to imagine that the Wookiee might have beaten or murdered a fellow tribe member. That alone would have warranted the punishment of exile. Although, it is tempting to think that Black Chrysanthemum did something fairly mundane, like break his chieftain's orders when dealing with a band of Trandoshan hunters. If that were the case, if Black Chrysanthemum was ostracized from his fellow Wookiees for heroically fighting off the reptilian slavers with too much enthusiasm, then we can all kind of empathize with him. So while the exact details of his transgression remains a mystery, we know for a fact how Chrysanthemum got off his homeworld of Kashyyyk. After beating a fellow Wookiee and binding his arms to a pair of trees deep within the forest, Chrysanthemum lured a group of Trandoshan slave traders to his location. In the darkness of the forest, the slavers marched one by one into the wilderness. Using their advanced technology to scan for life, they eventually locked onto the signal of the Wookiee that Chrysanthemum had left for bait. You guys might have seen my video where I covered the comic and I tried to do some voices with some sound effects. If you haven't, check it out, but in this video I'm including literally everything from start to finish. So let's continue. By the time they arrived and realized it was an elaborate trap, it was too late. Shooting from the cover of the trees, Black Chrysanthemum killed every member of the hunting party, except one. He used the final Trandoshan to take him off of Kashyyyk and to a pair of brothers called the Zonti brothers, who could help him reach the heights of fame as a champion in the gladiatorial games of the underworld. The Trandoshan was more than happy to help Chrysanthemum, especially if it meant saving his own life. By the time the pair arrived on the world of the Zonti brothers, who were the particular gladiator trainers that Black Chrysanthemum wanted to learn under, the Wookiee discovered a horrible truth about the business of fighting. There were no real volunteers. As he descended the Trandoshan slaver's ship, Chrysanthemum was the only one that wasn't bound in stun cuffs. The other men that were assembled were slaves, because only slaves, men who had no free will of their own, could be forced to fight in the arenas. When Black Chrysanthemum finally met the Zonti brothers, he looked at them, eye to eye, 
as if they were equals. But after a quick exchange of words, one of the Zanti brothers struck Chrysanthemum with a stun blast and knocked the Wookiee out cold. Shortly after, Chrysanthemum awoke in a frigid metal cell, his hands freshly bound in stun cuffs. Now he too was a slave. Chrysanthemum wasn't sure how long he lived his life in servitude to the Zanti brothers. It could have been weeks or years. But throughout the cruel training the siblings forced upon the Wookiee, he couldn't help but think that the brothers were changing his life. And in a twisted version of the Wookiee concept of life debts, Chrysanthemum promised that if he ever escaped this hell, he would have to pay the brothers back by inflicting the same kind of torment on them, not quite the life debt that other Wookiees like Chewbacca were known to owe. After surviving Sub-Zero hikes, fights against Sarlax, and even combat in the pits of a Rogue War chamber, Black Chrysanthemum was chosen as one of the gladiators the Zanti brothers would sell. Now he was sure to fetch for a high price, but the siblings wondered if they might be able to get even more if the Wookiee packed a more devastating punch. So the terms of gladiatorial combat admissions were clear. If any fighter were augmented with cybernetics, they would have to register in a different weight class. Now the brothers were smart, and they realized that this would be a waste of a perfectly fine warrior. The augmented weight classes were for dumb fun and spectacles. You know, rocket launchers, weapons, and things like that. They'd hollow out a Tulsa's forearm, fill it with tiny missiles, and see how many fights he'd last. And while placing one-sided bets on whether he'd win or lose, well, you can see where this ends up. Black Chrysanthemum was far too skilled of a fighter, and they didn't want to risk a random stray rocket blowing all of their hard work to smithereens. The brothers, instead, outfitted Black Chrysanthemum with every type of surgery that wasn't explicitly prohibited. It was a cruel procedure that saw Chrysanthemum once again endure the brutal dark side of humanity that only a few in the galaxy were forced to see. By the time he had recovered, his body was filled with hardened metal, which gave him enough raw power to rival the cyborg Bailair Valance in a fight. Eventually, Black Chrysanthemum left the training arena of the Zanti brothers, perhaps purchased by a blue-skinned Chagrin who observed his final fight. And after becoming the undefeated heavyweight champion, Black Chrysanthemum discovered a way out of the gladiatorial games. He packed up his equipment and used his advanced fighting skills to serve the galaxy's most powerful crime lords as a bounty hunter. It was during this time that he became a favorite of Jabba the Hutt's. Just a few years before Luke Skywalker hit his teenage years, Obi-Wan was forced to come out of hiding and save the child from a group of weak-way thugs who were preying on local moisture farmers. Obi-Wan hated to do it. He knew any physical confrontation might draw the ire of Jabba the Hutt, and the ensuing escalation of war might out him as a Jedi, and it would only be a short while before Darth Vader would hear of him. But Luke was alone, at night, facing off against a group of scum that were known to kill at the slightest provocation. After Obi-Wan defeated the group, they ran back to Jabba, and the Hutt smartly surmised that he'd need a powerful bounty hunter to defeat this mysterious hero in the Tatooine Dunes. Jabba chose Black Chrysanthemum. The Wookiee marched into the hot Tatooine sun and stared at the exact spot where the thugs had faced off against Obi-Wan, and Chrysanthemum realized something. The only building even remotely nearby was the Lars Farm. That man in the night, who nobody had realized was old Ben Kenobi, must have been protecting Uncle Owen and his family. Chrysanthemum marched to the property, beat on Beru, and then kidnapped Uncle Owen. He dragged Luke's adoptive father to the top of a nearby bluff and beat him with an electric staff until Obi-Wan arrived. Unlike his time as a gladiator, this fight didn't go the way he expected. Once Obi-Wan tapped into the Force, he quickly deflected all of Chrysanthemum's attacks, defeating the Wookiee in a one-sided rally. Obi-Wan even left Black Chrysanthemum something to remember him by when he carved his blue lightsaber through the Wookiee's eye, blinding him. Unable to face his employer, Chrysanthemum chose to run away, instead of returning to Jabba's palace. He hid his face in shame, an emotion that had played a role in almost all of Chrysanthemum's decisions up to that point, and hopped on a transport open to the public. 
But by the time the first Death Star had been destroyed nearly ten years later, the old wounds had healed and Black Chrysanthemum was on Jabba's good side again. When Darth Vader came to the planet of Tatooine, seeking to broker a trade agreement with the Huts, the Dark Lord secretly demanded a separate favor from Jabba. He wanted the Crime Lord to give him his best bounty hunters so that he could find out the real identity of the boy who had launched the torpedoes. Jabba was more than happy to agree, hoping that this small favor would give him leverage over the Dark Lord later on. The next day, Boba Fett and Black Chrysanthemum arrived to accept their mission. Fett received the most important task, tracking down Luke Skywalker. And while the Mandalorian might have technically failed, as he was defeated by the boy inside of Obi-Wan's abandoned hut, the bounty hunter did manage to get some important information. A name. Luke Skywalker. So this is actually how Darth Vader discovered that his child, the one that he assumed had been dead for 20 years, was actually still alive. And this is the canon version, of course. Kersantin's mission was far less personal to the Dark Lord, and far more political. Vader was worried he was going to be replaced. He had seen Emperor Palpatine attempt to find new apprentices before, and the constant paranoia about a fresh young Sith rising was too much for Vader to handle. So he ordered Kersantin to investigate one of Palpatine's newest associates, what Black Chrysanthemum unearthed was one of the oldest secrets that the Emperor had ever kept from his apprentice. For over 20 years, Emperor Palpatine had employed a scientist by the name of Dr. Silo to create new replacements for Vader. If it weren't for Chrysanthemum's bounty hunting skills, Vader might never have discovered that beings like Carbon or the Astarte twins existed, at least not before they plunged their sabers into Vader while he meditated in his chambers. Shortly after working for Vader, Black Chrysanthemum would meet another person who would change his life a young woman known as Dr. Afra, A rogue archaeologist and Darth Vader's newest ally, Afra was busy helping Vader amass power and wealth as he prepared to betray Emperor Palpatine. And for one of their latest schemes, Afra needed a group of the most cutthroat bounty hunters the galaxy had to offer. Naturally, this led her to Black Chrysanthemum. After taking a trip down memory lane and volunteering to fight in a regional gladiatorial fight, Chrysanthemum was approached by the Doctor. The plan? while they were going to break into an Imperial ship, steal the massive haul of credits it was ferrying, and share the bounty among the crew. But there was something Kersantin knew that the others didn't. When they blew open the side of the Imperial vessel, Afra allowed the other bounty hunters to think that the majority of the credits drifted away, and were lost to the depths of space. But of course, we know that wasn't true. Secretly, she had vacuum devices in place that created a current which lured all of the credits into a ship the Black Fur Wookiee piloted. With five times the original share, and Afra's promise to help him track down the Zonti brothers, Kersantin found himself with renewed purpose. By this point, it had been 20 years since he first set foot in the training grounds of those siblings, but the urge to repay his debt was still as strong as ever. Before he had a chance to square off against the Zonti brothers, Kersantin once again found himself in service to Afra and Vader. When Vader's ship was kamikazed by Luke's own X-Wing in the space above the rebel base on Rogas Vas, the Rebellion thought they had a chance to win the war, all alone, Vader could hardly stand up to the full force of both the Rebellion, Infantry, and Fleet, but they were wrong. While Vader was busy carving a hole through hundreds of troops and using the force to destroy Y-Wings in mid-maneuver, Black Kersantin was on the other side of the planet pursuing Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Hoping that he could capture the aspiring Jedi, Kersantin rammed the Millennium Falcon, downing the freighter in the sandy ground below. And if it weren't for the sudden revival of Chewie, who had been recently injected with a Mandalorian neurotoxin by the droid Triple Zero, then Luke Skywalker would have surely been delivered to Vader. Now, to Black Kersantin's surprise, he found Chewie to be a much tougher adversary than the other Wookiees that he had faced, both on Kashyyyk and in his gladiatorial battles. Kersantin never found someone who could take the full brunt of his augmented fists, 
Realizing that he might lose the fight, Chrysanthemum was forced to use an old dirty trick and slipped a pair of brass knuckles onto his hand. Before Chewie could land a final blow, Chrysanthemum snuck an uppercut on the smuggler that crumpled him into the sand below. By this point, Skywalker had already run away, so Chrysanthemum decided to kill Solo instead. But, of course, C-3PO annoyingly objected, and tired of hearing droids complain, Chrysanthemum decided he would kill the protocol droid first, then end Solo's life. Now, unfortunately, Chrysanthemum's brass knuckles broke through the thin metal plate that served as C-3PO's chest, and plunged into the mess of wires below, delivering an electrical shock so powerful that it knocked him out. A bit after the Battle of Rogusvas, Kersantin's life got a bit messy. Even though he was once allied with Aphra, and would actually work again with her in the future, Kersantin decided to take Vader up on an offer, hunt down the archaeologist, and bring her before the Dark Lord. That's exactly what he did. Once Vader got his hands on Aphra, he ended up tossing his former ally into the depths of space, but just as quickly as he was willing to send her to death, Black Kersantin was there to save her. After all, the Doctor owed him credits and the opportunity to get payback on the Zonti brothers. While working alongside Dr. Aphra, it's hard not to wonder whether or not Black Chrysanthemum started to turn soft. Oftentimes, he didn't really behave like a bounty hunter. He genuinely seemed to enjoy the company of Dr. Aphra and relished in the opportunities to protect her, which he often did. While helping Dr. Aphra clear her name, he saved her from a debt collector on the Cosmetanic steps by defeating his two massive Gagoran bodyguards. And later, he massacred a platoon of stormtroopers, even downing a massive ATST with the help of a Sith spawn on the moon of Yavin 4. In the end, Aphra made good on her deal. At an underground auction orchestrated by the Doctor, he discovered the Zonti brothers were still alive, as healthy as ever. Shortly after that scheme and a battle with the Eternal Ruhr, Kersantin captured the brothers and finally fulfilled his dream of tormenting them with the cruelty of gladiatorial training. With that massive hole in the Wookiee's life finally filled, there wasn't much for him left to do. He continued to roam the galaxy, indulging in occasional battles and arenas, so that he could hear the drunken crowds chant his name and his lofty record, Black Chrysanthemum, the undefeated heavyweight champion. And at one point, I should mention, the Wookiee rejoined with Aphra when the Doctor was pursuing the woman who had killed her mother years and years ago. She eventually found the murderer, a slimy bureaucrat by the name Petina Marmas Vor. Through yet another scheme, Aphra found herself close to Vor, who had secretly planned to assassinate Emperor Palpatine, and used the power vacuum to aid her own ascension as a leader. Thanks to Black Chrysanthemum's help, which was mainly just concealing some equipment so Aphra could slice a droid, the pair were able to expose Vor's plot via a live broadcast, immediately attracting the attention of Vader. And Vader did what he did best, sliced Vor to pieces with his crimson blade. The Sith Lord didn't have much interest in the Wookiee, so Black Chrysanthemum lived on. Not long after, he was presented once again with the prospect of hunting Aphra as a high bounty was placed on the scientist. And again, strangely, Chrysanthemum showed compassion, a trait that he seemed to only reveal to Dr. Aphra. Instead of taking Aphra in, he hesitated and a group of annoyed bounty hunters who wanted Aphra for themselves fired on the Wookiee. So Chrysanthemum turned his attention to the pair who had shot him as Aphra ran to safety. With the fall of the Galactic Empire looming on the horizon, Black Chrysanthemum didn't seem to be involved in any major conflicts in the years following the Battle of Hoth. In fact, he doesn't resurface again until nine years after the Battle of Yavin, when Boba Fett ruled over Jabba's fallen empire. At this time, Black Chrysanthemum found someone else to serve. Instead of joining Aphra on her adventures around the galaxy, Chrysanthemum was the main enforcer for a pair of huts known as the Twins hoping to use their family ties to Jabba to claim the fragments of his criminal operation. The twins tried to reason with Fett, but soon realized that Boba might not be willing to listen. 
They sent Kersantan as an assassin to kill the Mandalorian, a natural plan B for any hut crime lord. Hey, if the deal doesn't work out, just get rid of him. Now, although the pair had once worked together all those years ago when Vader was desperate for help, Kersantan didn't spare a second for concern when he attacked Boba, which was strange considering how much he hesitated when he was offered 20,000 credits for hunting down Afra. Now, when they were fighting, I was wondering, well, he could really just snap Boba in half in two seconds. Maybe he's just toying with them and maybe having second thoughts. So it is possible. And I'd love to make a standalone video on that theory just to get your thoughts. Or actually, you could let me know in the comments now, too. But anyways, in the end, Kersantan lost and the twins reconsidered their attempt to take Jabba's old titles. Hoping that they could salvage their relationship with the Mandalorian, the pair of huts offered Black Kersantan as a gift, but Fett quickly released him from enslavement and let the Wookiee live free once more. And in my opinion, creating a life debt situation for Black Kersantan and Boba, much like Chewie and Han. The rest of Black Kersantan's life is up for grabs. It's up to be written, and I'm very excited to see what they have in store for him. He's a really cool character, and I was very excited to see him in live action just a couple episodes ago. So as this goes forwards, maybe over the years, I can always update this video with added and new information in canon. But until then, I hope you enjoyed this full backstory of Black Kersantan up to date to today. Leave a like on this video if you enjoyed it. Have an awesome rest of your day or night, and I will see you in the next video on Star Wars Theory. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.